Conrad Gamble is a man after my own heart. Like me, he has a passion for London and Londoners, so much so that he recently published his first book called For the Love of London. This is a beautiful book with stories told by a hundred Londoners, many you'll know, like Stephen Fry, and many you won't, each contributing in their own unique way what they love about this glorious city of ours. As Conrad succinctly puts it, from leaders in their own field to local legends, these are the people whose beat sets the rhythm of London. In addition to his writing, Conrad is a performance poet and curates a monthly poetry night across London called Ear Smoke, described as a night of words in flight. After a number of failed attempts to meet up, we finally got together in his home overlooking London fields in Hackney, the perfect backdrop for this relaxed and insightful interview on everything from London, Londoners, to neuroplasty. I'm Steve Lazarus, and this is your London Legacy. Okay, so here we are uh, in a lovely flat opposite London Fields, I think it is, with uh, Conrad Gamble, author, model. Uh, part-time. Part-time male model. <laughs> has to be a male model. Poet, writer, performer, all sorts of skills, I believe, under your belt. You've done a few things. Well, that's what we're going to find out today, because... The fascinating thing for me was that the podcast that I'm working on and you're on now is uh, Your London Legacy. And the book that you wrote, I think it was last year, which was published? Or it was maybe? published in March last year, uh, yeah. Called For the Love of London, um, was actually recommended to me by the first person I interviewed for Your London Legacy, Jason Sandy, who, strangely enough, and as luck would have it, was also one of the characters in your book. So it's, it's a small world, us London lovers. So I'm delighted to eventually welcome you to uh, the podcast, because we've tried a few times to get together. We have, we have, and I, I'm, I must um, apologise for no, that. No. There's, there's no need <laughs> to apologise at all. So it, it, it's lovely to be here and finally, finally to meet you face to face, having um, done research on you two or three times in the past. Indeed, uh, likewise. Oh, you've done your research on me as well, have you? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's to be expected. So you are a, a London lover quite clearly, and you've written this wonderful book called For the Love of London, which I I have to say I hadn't heard of before it was recommended to me, but I'm so glad I got my hands on it because it really is a a wonderful volume. Uh, I don't know whether you call it an anthology or a series of stories. What I'd like you to do is perhaps give us a bit of background about how you came up with the idea of the book and then the process for writing it and, and, and your feelings about it. So how did I come up with the idea? Firstly, just to say thank you for asking me to do this. Um, real pleasure. In terms of how I came up with the idea, I wrote a while back, a sort of slightly, some poetry about a 52 bus. Um, so I perform poetry. I've run some poetry nights called Ear Smoke Across London. And I was with an old friend of mine um, who's always had a lot of belief in me. And we were having a nice evening at his and he sort of muted the idea of doing poetry about London. And... I and I considered this and well actually really I, I I'd I'd gone to him with the idea about doing something about London. He he muted the idea of poetry. But then I thought what what really does make up London and it's the characters. Um and so I, I really it wasn't so much my view of London that is was so interesting to me. It was really my, you know, the combination of characters that make up a place. You know, you can be anywhere in the world, but it's really the people you're with. Obviously, that's then shaped the history and and the aesthetic and and the vibe and the feeling of places. But it it really is those people that it comes down to. My father died a few years ago and I moved away from London. I mean, London's always been very special to me. As I say in the preface to my book, I 
Is London um, where you were brought up, born and brought so up? So I was born in Hammersmith, and then we had a place uh, just in Clapham in the early 80s, and my mum had a gallery in Russell Square, and so my first ever memory is on a bus near Brixton, London bus, top deck of the bus, and that's my first ever memory. And so, yeah, so lived all over London, but it was, um, I remember very vividly being, you know, young, my dad taking me to uh, this greasy spoon near Russell Square and just, and they're just combination of people. I mean, I spent a bit of time out in the countryside as well, which was lovely, but London's buzz and energy that I got, and especially at this old cafe, I, I, you know, it really sticks with me. Yeah. And so how it came about, you know, and after my father died, I, I'd had a sort of relatively difficult time in London during my 20s and I I moved away. What, uh, what were you doing in London at, at that time? So many different things. I'd sort of worked in advertising a little bit, which didn't really satiate me. And I, I did various different things, none of which really felt particularly right. And yeah, well, things things were pretty tough to be honest. And my father then died. I moved away to Barcelona, which was wonderful. Uh, but I couldn't stay that long because my friends were in London. What made you go to Barcelona? I mean, it's a beautiful city. I've been there a few times and it's a stunning place, but it's not London, obviously. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, much smaller. It was, it, was, it was a wonderful time and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and there's a lot that London can learn from Barcelona and vice versa. But you know, I didn't stay f- for long. Um, and when I came back, I really realized how much I love this place. It's, um, it is a melting pot of humanity. And it's a pillar of tolerance, you know, it really is. It's something that should be celebrated. And I think we don't always realize that quite how, how lucky we are. Mm. No, I, I totally agree. And I, I, I've said this before, I think in the introductory um, episode for the podcast, that one of the things that I know I love London is whenever I go away or go on holiday I always know when I'm t- when it's time to come back and I love coming home and flying over London and just arriving back again I just it just feels home to me yeah I mean especially when we even when it's cold and wet I mean we there's a reason we put up with this grey and it's not because it's cheap that it's not <laughs> there's nothing cheap about London well, there are cheap parts of London but it's there's nothing cheap about it so You'd uh, obviously you'd come through a bit a, a tough time in your twenties, I think, and then obviously your father passing is obviously a particularly traumatic time for any for any man. If you've got a very close relationship with your father, as it appears that you did have as well, your background is in art. You're in art and poetry or literature. Um, I mean, my background was that I was lucky enough to get a scholarship to a, a school in the countryside out of London, and I then got kicked out when I was 17. Oh, why? What did you get up to? You don't have to say. Um, <laughs> I, it was, um, yeah, various sort of nefarious okay. uh, activities. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll leave <laughs> um, it to the imagination. But that, that was, um, that actually led to me teaching myself my A-levels, which I then did well at and, and then went to Bristol University, which then was proved to be a difficult, yeah, wonderful, but difficult time, um, to be honest. And, and my background was in, you know, I've been also didactic for my life throughout my life. And then it just took a long time before realizing what I really wanted to do. I've always played around with words ever since I was young, making bad puns, making bad jokes, making good puns, making hopefully some good jokes, but you know, I've always played around with words and then sort of more recently, I've, um, you know, come to start, you know, in the last six years or so performing poetry, running some poetry nights. Um, and then I had this idea for this book, um, along with a friend of mine, 
Yeah, and it just it came to I came to realize that celebrating the people of London is, you know, people love love, people love London, people love interesting people, and I thought it'd be a wonderful combination to to get these people together and and tell people what you know the, the love of these wonderful people is and and what where they love in London and what why they love London. So for the love of London, I haven't counted how many characters you've got. You've contributed to the book, but I think there must be, what, 100 or so? 100, yeah. 100 uh, on the nose. Exactly 100. I, I only realised that when I finished uh, okay. it, and it was exactly on the nose. So you talk us through the process of how you how you went about it and how you decided the process. It was quite an organic thing. There was What I wanted to do is find people who had a positive externality to what they did. So they weren't just well-known. They weren't... I just wanted to find people whose attitude and whose engagement with what they did spread further than just their own you know benefit but what's fascinating is you've got a whole range of people from well-known characters like uh stephen fry who's obviously a, a household name and i don't know x trillion followers on social media to lesser known people and people you, you know i mean there's a lady here called pauline black who was the lead singer of a uh a, group called the selector who i used to know when i was in the 80s <laughs> in the early days to um some people who are who are just not known at all but are london characters which which is just a wonderful collection so how did you what was the process for selection so some people i knew directly some people i knew who would be wonderful for it other people i just by spreading the fact that I was doing the book, people would come out of the woodwork. Um, I talked to people about the idea. So-and-so would say, this person would be magic for it. That person would be great. So I started to find those. Other people I went to up to directly and just literally in the streets. I mean... What, just, just, just on, on a whim? Just yeah, totally, around. yeah. I mean, for example, Stephen Fry was... Um, Stephen Fry was in Soho. He was in a members club in Soho and I walked over to well I'd actually asked him six months previous and let's just back up a second you're in a members club in Soho yeah <laughs> well, so what club was this I was Soho House okay and so I was, I was doing some work in Soho House and he came into the room and he I'd asked him six months previous if he could get in touch and and that he's a very busy man I hadn't heard much back from him so when you say you'd asked him six months how, how do you try to communicate so I'd, I'd, his sister is his PA and I, I got in touch with his sister you know his sister I didn't know his sister okay. but someone had given me the I'm just content. fascinated by the process because obviously in the same way that I'm gathering people for the podcast sure. I, I know the problems it is getting through gatekeepers and and indeed and you know for some more than others uh, the gatekeepers can be difficult if there's no money involved as well but you know when I got in touch i wasn't expecting a huge amount back he's an incredibly busy man he came in so house he sat down in the corner i decided rather than continue what i was working on i'd write him a letter there and then and so i put down my work i wrote him a letter i included some poetry about the idea of neuroplasticity which is one of my favorite poems and i know he know you'd written that i'd written yeah and i know he knows about the idea because i've heard him talk about it before and you know some of my letters to people have been average and some have been good and i was quite pleased with this but i very awkwardly handed him the letter as he was leaving this is I, something you wrote on the spot literally on the spot yeah, yeah just yeah. on the spur of the moment it's the spur of the moment and as he was walking down the stairs i kind of uh I said, Mr. Fry, and I, I just should have waited for him to be on the landing or something. And I could see almost his shoulders slightly hunch up and think, another person, not in, you know. Yeah, and he this? turned around, yeah. and I turned around, and I said, look, here's this letter. Read it on your way home. If you're interested, you're interested. If not, lovely to meet you. Have a great day. 
he got into he'd written his piece 12 hours later and he'd emailed me back oh, how wonderful so, what so a, an absolute what a legend yeah. yeah really lovely and you know he's he's very we then met for lunch at a, a couple of months later and he was very generous very lovely man very kindly shared on as you say his trillions of social media so yeah really very kind and then there was other people that i'd asked there was i won't name the name there was another famous you know a-list actor who i went up to in mayfair i walked past and he it was a really wonderful lesson actually i i walked over to him and he very charmingly quite abruptly but very charmingly um, said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do this, but, you know, it might be this kind of book I'd read, but, you know, what? it's not really quite for me. You know, probably I'll read it in the future. Why Why are you reluctant to uh, dob him in? Because, <laughs> uh, well, no, because because I'll tell you why. Because it just, was... Just out of respect for out him. Out of respect yeah. for him, because I actually know him now. Okay. And he's... Um, but also, what, I, what was the interesting lesson for me doing that was it wasn't... Ha- walking away, I felt just as good him saying yes as if he'd said no because it was more about me getting over the fear of going to go and ask someone this is why i love the process so much because mm. that to me that's as important as the finished product right exactly the exactly crea- the creation of the work is, is is so important absolutely and you know whilst you know i'm very pleased with the book and i i really like it it really is down to the process your life isn't different afterwards in in the sense that you still have pain you still have sorrow you still have joy you still have whatever whatever it may be but the process of doing this and meeting these hundred people was absolutely joyful and i bet you feel more empowered by the that process of going up to strangers and stars as you say in the street and in clubs and things and approaching them overcoming fear well i don't know if you got fears I, I i would have fear and trepidation going up to complete strangers yes i mean it's something i've done you know in various different forms but it doesn't there's still always it's definitely yeah i've definitely broken through that kind of un- uncomfortable level of doing it i mean massively so massively so it does help that there was a you know a particular goal it's not just i'm walking over and saying oh, yeah. hi you know yeah you know you're not autograph hunting i mean there is no, a, there is exactly. a purpose to exactly. you, know, you know what you're trying to achieve so that's fascinating so i mean so you didn't have a a templated letter or email you were whacking out to no, i mean it was I mean, you know so you got 100 people how many people did you approach presumably i mean i do you know it's Obviously, more than a hundred. Yeah, um, and, but I can't, I can't remember the exact amount. But I had, I you know, in terms of who I was looking for, I knew I wanted, you know, a chef, and I wanted a, you know, this kind of person and that kind of person, and you know, someone from this part of town. I didn't want them, all, you know, I wanted the cross spread. But it was, it was fairly organic. The more that people came on board, the more I knew that there would be. I need to slightly fill it out in that direction or that direction or whichever direction needed filling out. But um, it was a very organic process. It was interesting, actually, more males said yes than females. And now I don't think that's because males are more generous. It might be because they've got more of an ego and more time on their hands. That's more more than likely. But did you approach more males than females? Or did you rough, um, rough split? I don't... Th- it's difficult to say yeah. because there was, you know, out of the, that many, I, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a case of 120 and 100. So did you have 100 in mind, roughly, to... to I had I'd written out quite a few but then many people came out of the woodwork and then I thought you know what they wouldn't be quite right etc so it that that list changed quite a lot yeah I absolutely I mean I just I just love it because there is such a an eclectic mix of people from comedians Steve Steve first who's he's not when you think of Steve first he's not necessarily a household name but when you see him and the work he's done you suddenly think ah mm. yeah no I, I, I remember him 
and you know people like Helen. Mc- I never know how to say it. Donna Hugh. I don't know how it's pronounced. Donna Ho or Donna Hugh. Donna Ho. Donna Ho. Yeah. Yeah. Director of Public Policy and Action for Children. You know, hugely important. Yeah. So role. she's you know fascinating woman and and played for both West Ham and Arsenal ladies. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, Theo Delaney, a well-known director and filmmaker. And lesser known people, Lee Bofkin, I wasn't aware of him, but now I'm aware of his work as a London street artist. Yes, and the work yeah, he tries yeah. to do. Is he head someone of, you know? He's I it's not someone I knew before, head of global street art, and you know, he's got a good mission to uh, get these get the city painted. There's some fantastic characters in here. Ivo Gormley, I'd I'd not heard of him before. But strangely enough, I think I saw him or a piece on him on the news a couple of weeks ago. Yes, he was on the um, news recently. My mother said that she'd just heard him. Yeah. So how did you get in, How did you get to find out about Ivo Gormley? Do you know what? I was looking for people who were doing good. And, yeah. you know, he's set up a thing called Good, good Gym. The good Gym. The Good Gym, where you basically use your physical exertions for good rather than just, you know. Rather a, than just running. You're rather running. than just running. You're running, you know, running up and down the stairs, maybe helping someone move or etc. which is a great idea. It's fantastic. So you pick your, your, your victims, as it were, your, yeah. your characters you want in, in the book, get a list, and then you approach them by, by filtering them through email, social media, the yeah, websites. I mean, all different ways, really. You know, some I got phone numbers for, of, some I emailed, some it was social media, and as I say, some was literally just walking up into the street. And so What's the hit rate for how many people who respond? Uh, do you know, it's difficult to, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, there's obviously a lot of people that, yeah, a lot of people say no, or that, you know, they don't have time etc but did most actually respond would you say in one, i'd say one, most yeah, responded yeah, yeah. most responded but you know to be honest it's i'm asking them to write something that would take a whole afternoon which is so i'm just anyone who did take the time i'm very thankful for because you know these are very in, everyone's busy yeah. it's london yeah if you're, you know, if you're in london people, you're busy <laughs> exactly and these yeah. kind of people have stuff to do so to take the time to do that and to to realize it's not just a kind of throwaway piece it is going in a book for posterity so what was the brief that you gave each person so tell me something about london that you love um you know it as could simple be an, as that yeah really very simple uh, leaving it as wide open as possible it could be an idea it could be a concept it could be a bridge it could be a place it could be you know it's really leaving up to them because what i found fascinating was you get so many personal stories coming through you know when they look back at their life and what what's part of london's been important to them and where they can go and chill or where they find excitement and it's just they probably enjoy doing it i'm guessing i think so i mean it's definitely yeah there's some sort of quite nostalgic lovely um examples i think um mark baxter uh, the camberwell gent um he talks about being with his granddad uh, Ragbone Alumba. He's an absolutely great man, Mark. How did you find him? I found him. I found him on. I think I found him online, and then because he writes for, uh, he writes for something done in Camberwell, and he does. I mean, as he says in uh, my book, he he does many many things. If you ask him what he did, he wouldn't be able to tell you. But he does many things. He's just produced a good film. But he's a great, great man. And he, if you if you frequent Soho much, you'll see him knocking about. <laughs> so have you met most of these characters? I've met the majority, not all. Um, I didn't get to meet, sadly, Dame Zardid. It was one of her last pieces, actually. Um, she's obviously sadly passed on. Yeah, the architect. Indeed, yeah. 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 
So you met them all in one go or at a book launch? Or? No, I mean, I, I'd go with my photographers. So I had two main photographers, one who I live with, a friend of mine, Andy Donahoe, and then another guy, a wonderful guy called Tony Briggs. And so most of them I met, some of them didn't have time and, and they sent in a photo, but we, took, we went and met most of them. I have to say, I think the, the photographic artwork, I think is really lovely. Thank you. I think it's really splendid. Um, <laughs> so I'm just flicking through as we're, as we're talking to each other. M- Mickey Dog is a professional sleaze. I mean, I found that a bit scary to read. A bit uncomfortable read this one. <laughs> uh, well, that's actually, he's a friend of mine. Right. Um, so his band is called Sleaze. Uh-huh. They're very good. They do a lot of stuff around South London. Well, all the country, really. But he's, he's a great, great man. What's their... Um style punky um rocky uh, i yeah. suppose i should have guessed that from the yeah uh, no he's, scary he's, picture on the yeah professional sleaze they don't sort of spit on you do they like the, the i mean sex pistols <laughs> I used mean, to i think if you asked him nicely <laughs> he'd need a bit of encouragement would he <laughs> or a few drinks so you get this compilation i mean You'd had no experience previously in publishing at all or, or putting... No, I was. it was one of those things, you know, people did say to me, you know, it's difficult to get a book published. And, you know, whilst I don't want to be too self-effacing, equally, it's not as difficult as writing a novel. I mean, I've written, you know, I'm an aspiring screenwriter and I, that's taken years of time to write various different screenplays, etc. This for me was a case of, you know, let the people do the work. And, and so... I, to be honest, I never really considered, even in the face of people sort of saying this, this might be quite difficult to do, that it wouldn't happen. So why do you think people believed you uh, or sort of um, accepted your proposition? Because with respect, you're not a household name. So why, why do you think... No, yeah, quite, yeah. Well, if you carry on in this, this vein, there's no reason why you won't become a household name if that's what you want to, sure that's what no. you want to achieve. But, but why do you think people took to the idea... Because they have to buy into you, don't they, really, first and foremost? Well, I think, A, the belief, I think generally that life in lots of senses is a belief autocracy, as I call it, rather than a meritocracy. So my belief that this would happen obviously pervades into the people I'm talking to about it. But ultimately, as I said before, it's, you know, it's about London. It's about interesting people. It's about love. Um, there is 18 million people. London is going to be the, one of the most visited places on earth, if not the most, depending on which way in which you're defining that this year. You know, there'd be 18 million people visit London. So why wouldn't I just kind of thought, well, why wouldn't someone want to read this? You know, no, I mean, I certainly did. And I, I, I was thrilled when uh, this book was recommended to me. And I think I bought it the next day on uh, Amazon. Well, well, you can tell everyone where to where to get it shortly. So the publishing, I mean, did you did you have to pitch your idea to a publishing house? Or did you have an intro to no, one no, in particular? No, I, well, I mean, I, I did. I went to Octopus. Um, they liked the idea. Where uh, did you get pluck them from um i talked to various people and and they recommended hachette which is octopus cassell it's all kind of one big one big one and the same and they liked the idea and we'd had i'd probably had 50 at the no no i had about 25 at the time already done and then you know and then we grew it from there they got tony involved who is just an absolute diamond sorry who's tony tony briggs um so he came around with me meeting oh your photographer yes exactly yeah Yeah, lovely wonderful man so it's it's i'm just that's really strange actually just flicking through here charlotte tilbury yeah um in my other life i have met her in a business capacity right yes and actually acted for her in a business capacity really um 
when she was on the up, now she's super, super yes. celeb fame. I mean, she was always very, um, I mean, she's an incredible woman. Have you have you met her? I have. I've actually known Charlotte a number of years. So I've actually been in one of her adverts, and I know her sister and her um, nieces. And so, so, yeah, I've known Charlotte for a number of years. Oh, um, I'm glad I didn't say anything yeah. negative in that case. No, no, no. <laughs> I got Force nothing of but, nature. No, nothing but yeah, oh, unbelievable. But it was probably seven, eight years ago, um, in a house in Notting Hill. I that think. would be right. Yeah. 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 Lovely lady, force of nature indeed, and she's done phenomenally well for herself, and it was it was good to see her in here as well. So all in all, a wonderful book, and I heartily recommend it to uh, to everybody listening. Certainly recommend you get it. And it's the sort of book that you can either read cover to cover, if you're so minded, or you can just dip into it from time to time, or have it as a coffee book, or one of yeah, the books you... Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I personally would dip into it. I mean, the same token, just to make a sort of comparison, I you know, I run certain poetry nights and you know some people can enjoy going to an open mic where you hear huge amounts of things but actually personally i like to have a few bits and pieces and and actually just remember those and and come away sort of with those imprinted and then go back another time um so i just have less performers um and the same with this i, I think it's a, something to dip in and out of no i love it it's been uh, been by my bed um, which I dip in and out of, and uh, just looking at another character you got here, I can never pronounce his name. Nihal, the um, Nihal, five, yes, five live yeah, wonderful. Presenter. It's such a generous, lovely man. Yeah, um, very, very bright guy. Absolutely pissing down when we did the photo shoots, but he was very warm. He took us in to his house afterwards. We had a nice cup of tea. Um, he's a really lovely man. I think my favourite of all of them is probably Martine Wright, and you know, there's some wonderful, wonderful people involved, but she's a Bobel Cockney. She was in the 7-7 atrocities and she was four feet away from a suicide bomber. She is very lucky to be alive. And she, five years later, was representing Great Britain at the London Olympics, you know, from four, very close to where she was born. Um, now, she doesn't see what happened to her as the best thing that ever happened to her in her life, but she's made it so. And she then, she talks to people and she lectures all about that and... Or I, don't, I would say lecture is the wrong word. She inspires people through through telling her story, and um, yeah, I think of all of the pieces in there, that that's the one that really that, that I smile most at. Well, as I say, it's a fantastic collection. Uh, thoroughly recommend it to to anybody and everybody. Phil Ryan, also a great character who I, I met recently. Yeah, great man, <laughs> a fantastic man. <laughs> Not without a view on most things. Yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed. So you you've mentioned a couple of times your uh, your poetry. So how did you get involved with stand-up? Many things. So spoken word. Spoken I mean, word. It, there's many various... Is it something that's becoming increasingly popular? I mean, it is, definitely. That's what people... Because I've become more and more involved in it, I'm obviously more and more aware of it. But people who aren't so involved in it, it are saying to me that it's becoming more and more popular too. So you're seeing it in more adverts, which is not necessarily a good thing. But um, I think because... There is... Do you want to keep it underground? Well, no, it's no, more Docklands Light Railway, I'd say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think... Um, I don't think it's that you need to keep it underground. I just think that it, it's difficult separating art and advertising sometimes, and, I, and that, can be, that can be dangerous. I can't remember where I was. Um, oh, Drury Lane. I think it was in Drury Lane the other day on a business appointment, and I was walking along on a side road off there. I can't remember the name, and there was an advert, a board outside for poetry that evening a recital something that we're reading that evening i can't remember what 
I don't recall, unless it's because, you know, sometimes you see something and then you can't stop seeing sure, it. Sure, sure. I don't know if it's because I had it up my mind, but whether it's something which is growing. I definitely think it is. There's some great nights about London. There's a great one at Rich Mix. Um, there's Tung Fu. There's Apples and Snakes. There's some really good ones all across town. Where, where are these? Rich Mix is in Shoreditch. Tung Fu goes to, is in Shoreditch as well. There is, you know, there's different poetry nights across London. So how do these work? Do you have to sort of uh, reserve a spot some some summer open mics where you sort of turn up put your name down you get the chance you get five minutes some are just to get i'm the ones i i host rather are we get four poets and a musician they get 10 15 minutes each people come along uh people are normally um it's it's a bit like reading the classics in the sense that people are have this view of it that it's like being at school and they're going to be bored by it and you know i can't speak for everyone but the majority of feedback is people love it much more than they thought they might even though they had a certain reticence before coming along so yeah it's it's an enjoyable just harking back to um the television before i left this evening i don't watch a lot of television it sounds like i do but uh, i just had it on while i was um eating before i came out this evening and they had um i think it we're getting near the anniversary of the manchester bombing right i think it was june i think last year right and I don't know if you remember Manchester Square after the bombing, they had a poet who read a poem about Manchester and the love of Manchester rather than the love of London. And that was one of the most emotional and moving things of the whole event, the post-bombing event. And it, it was the form he'd written. He'd actually written it a couple of years ago. I didn't know that until this evening. He'd written this poem a couple of years ago, but it resonated with everybody in the audience in, in the square that evening. And it just absolutely brought the house down if you can if that makes sense so poetry can be if it's told the right way and if it's said in the right way to the right audience can can be so moving and so passionate but not a lot of people see it like that a lot of people see it oh, poetry from school and uh, Tennyson and Byron all that sort of stuff and get a bit heavy about it so what sort of poets do you uh, do you sort of host so various ones there's one in the book called Cecilia Knapp who I saw actually on the same bill as Kate Tempest now Kate Tempest is a force of nature she is absolutely extraordinary and she's written uh she's written a novel and she's written various poetry but she grew up sort of near Peckham and sort of South London and what she'll say about poetry is that a poem is four-fifths until it's performed and you know it, one can be given poetry at school and study it but until you watch someone really inhabit the meaning behind poetry and said aloud you it it doesn't bring it quite to life so you've in got the to same sense. life into the words which is a weird one because actually the density of meaning you should not really be able to get it all first time round because it you know it's not a case of you know florid prose where you can kind of understand you're really building that all of that picture there and then hopefully that the density of the words actually mean you you do want to check it and write read it what's been written down so yeah, I think I, I'd urge anyone to go and try it out at least. Um, you, I think you'd be surprised. And there's some fabulous poets in London. There are really gonna are. Can you give us uh, an example of some of your poetry? So yeah, I mean, I could. I mean, it's a quite a sort of um, juvenile is the wrong word, but it's quite. I've got. I've got one about you know. I've, there's one about London that I could do. Um, but go I, for it. I, or should I do one not about London? I suppose it seems. Okay, so you're going to read us uh, or recite a poem for so, us. So yeah, so I'll tell you what. I'll recite the poem that I used to that I put in the letter to Stephen Fry. Oh, perfect. And firstly, 
Steve, I'll ask you, where, did, where was the first place you grew up in London? Where was your first house in London? My first house, uh, I was born and brought up in Edgware, North, North in London. Edgware. Yeah. And do you, you remember that first house? I remember it vividly. Okay, and yeah. do you, where did you move to next? Where did I move to? Yeah. Uh, so after uni, I moved pretty much down the road, actually, to uh, Mill Hill. Okay, and, and were you the, living with your parents then? or you? I lived with my parents up until I was about... Until uni, then I came back, and then I pretty much quickly moved out again. So, okay. sort of after uni, I moved out. Right. So, do you have a car at the time? Did I have a car at the time? Probably not my own. I was probably borrowing my mum's. If right. I right, okay. Say, for example, your mum was you or your mother was dropping you off. You, you just moved house. You're a bit tired. You've had a long day at uni. You've maybe been out the night before, and you were driving driving home from somewhere you'd gone out to the shops or something maybe a bit further afield and you were driving home and you're a bit knackered and rather than going to your new house you were on autopilot and you went back to the old house yeah yeah done that so yes you've done that yeah so neuroplasticity is an idea that i've been interested in for a long time the best people i know they change they evolve they adapt okay many people in this book you know They've all had the, Martin Wright, who I was just talking about. You know, they change, they evolve, they adapt, they become better, they improve. And neuroplasticity, I, I've, you know, we've all ha- got certain habits, but our brain is plastic and it, it can move. But in a, a, if you find neural pathways, you can create create stronger neural pathways if you keep going to a new place and create new habits, create better habits. But if you don't, if you're on autopilot, sometimes you go down the old route. You know, you've got a default setting. I have a coffee. I have a fag with it. Yes. Uh, you know, that's what I do. Uh-huh. But then you kind of try, trying to break that. You have a coffee. You try not to have a fag with it, but you have that coffee and you think, oh, I want to have a fag. So in order to have, you know, so this is the idea of neuroplasticity and creating new habits. And it goes like this. Thoughts know the roads around their home often forgetting their offspring have flown to fledgling nests in infant trees, blown back, shown back, homing on the breeze. Those paths muddied on the wetter days can wrong-foot you in the summer haze. Deciding to be decisive is a decision if action can be seduced by the vision. So find new sanctuaries in your memory to change the tune start with the melody a rut is just a groove where the music's departed so if you need to move then just get started love it absolutely love it i mean that is full of the uh, the feeling and emotion and um as you say the the neurons you know sparking in one direction and taking you back to a a long you know well-worn course that you've traveled a hundred times before and it, it's fascinating there's so many ironies today. This is fascinating that you talk about habits and changing your neural pathways. I actually wrote a piece that I, I have a newsletter that the podcast isn't for me to promote myself here particularly, but I have a newsletter that, that goes out for my business. And right. I write personal stories in there and sort of relate them to work as well. And one of the things I spoke about or wrote today was about change and how we've got to change, you know, change habits and keep improving ourselves from the inside. And that's the only way you can change if you want to uh, become a better person. Because otherwise, you'll always do what you've always, you've always gotten, you know, yeah, it's yeah. That, that old expression. And there's also a fabulous book I've, I've just um, read by a chap called Ben Hardy called, um, Why Will, I think it's called Why Willpower Doesn't Work. It's a fascinating book about if you want to change, you can't 
force yourself to change by, just by using WillPay. You've got to create an environment that helps you to change. If you, so, for example, a silly example, if you want to start going running, make sure all your clothes are laid out in the morning. So as soon as you get out of bed, you put your, your trainers on and off you go. Very basic example. And it, Yes, and if you, I imagine if you want to... Um if you want to lose weight, you don't have the fridge full of chocolate. Absolutely. So clear the fridge and put, you know, some rivetra and some lettuce leaves and, you know. But that, that's, that's it at its simplest level. So it's a fascinating book and it's a fascinating poem. And I, I, I love the, um, uh, the phraseology and the words that you use, the analogies you use. Thank you. It, it, it's like, I love the record and the groove and the record as well. That's it's one of my favourite yeah. lines, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's slightly different to what I normally do. But uh, yeah, a rut is just a groove where the music's departed. I love that idea of the music departing. It's just, just leaving. I mean, it's not in, embedded in the record. And it's interesting you write about records as well. LPs and, you know, because that's all coming back now. It is funny enough. I've just spent an hour looking for a new LP player. So For a player? Yes, for a player. Um, I was just about to press buy just when the door went. <laughs> ah, that was me. Was it disturbing you? No. I, I saved you a few quid. <laughs> yeah, you have, you have. <laughs> It's good to double think sometimes. So that poem was the one that grabbed um, Stephen Fry. Yes, I mean, you know, hopefully the rest of the letter too. But you know, I I, I know he knows about the idea. I've heard him talk about it before. So hopefully that was that went some way to getting him involved. And it was, you know, there's there's certain people. It was very lovely to get involved. Everyone I met, everyone I met, there was one person who's quite grumpy. But I think that they were having a bad day. I won't name names. But they're in the book. They're in the book. Okay, but so apart they're... from that, the people I met who I didn't know, I was. I was just so bowled over by. and uh, that's, that's what's lovely, doing what you've done and doing what I'm doing, is, is meeting people you haven't necessarily met before or know anything about. And your lives are going completely different routes, but in some respects they're going very parallel routes as well, and there's a lot of interconnection. And I've actually found, talking to some people, that we know people, you know, who, who, we both know the same people, you know, but quite distant, but there's some crossover in your life. And you don't actually know this until you go and talk to people. And that, that is one of the things I love about London as well and the diversity. Because as you said at the right at the beginning, London is, is, is a beautiful city. It's a, it's a fabulous city, all the architecture and the culture. But without the people, it's just bricks and mortar, isn't it, really? Absolutely. And, and the history. I, we've, I imagine we've all, you know, been in places in the world that are lovely from the outside or look lovely but you've been surrounded by less enjoyable people than you might want to be mm. and it really is down to the people you know it's such an extraordinary place to walk around and i love walking around london i love getting lost in london and and just walking and going through from one village to the next because london's built up of villages and just you know i love that but it really is the people so what if I had to push you, what would you say would be your favourite part of London or place in London? I've, I love living in London Fields now. I mean, I'm, I, we're currently in our, this Georgian townhouse that we're currently doing this in, which is fairly with nail inside. But I have a lovely view over... You've got a fantastic position here, right yeah. opposite London Fields itself, which is yeah. stunning. It's great. And, you know, I get it to see a bit of greenery. I mean, London is a very green city. I think it's fourth or fifth in terms of the percentage of greenery of world's leading cities. The London Fields itself is an historic place in its own right because it, it was used in the war. I think they had all artillery sort of 
bombing was you know firing their shells up to take the uh, Luftwaffe down I believe I really I yeah. didn't know that I'm gonna have to read into yeah, that further so it, and it goes back I mean it was recorded in many historical documents as well London Fields and of really? course now you've got the Lido leader the, Lido, uh, the yeah, swimming yeah. pool over the road the as Lido, well although that courts a little bit of controversy okay how so? well I mean it's um it's uh it's frequented predominantly by white middle class okay uh, it was, there was a, a group of people staying in there before and then it's got redone and it doesn't necessarily reflect the okay. a diversity of Hackney. I like it. I, I've been to it, you know, a few times. I, I use the tennis courts right there. Broadway market's wonderful. I don't, I mean, I don't really know the intricacies of that controversy, but... Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll leave that for another day. So I'm not going to let you go without talking about your modelling days. Are they Are they still... I've done it sporadically. <laughs> I wouldn't ever call myself a sort of, um, you know... Yeah, I mean, I've I've had some fun doing it. Uh-huh. Um, I've... Yeah, it's it's been yeah it's been enjoyable when I when I've got the chance. Tell us about the time you were involved in the um, the video the, uh, um, the pop sort of, video. <laughs> right. Okay, so that was so that was in Ibiza. I um, got asked to be in a sort of Euro dance video where I was sort of driving around in a convertible around Ibiza with a rather lovely girl. Yeah, um, I can vouch for that. I've seen the video, and uh, <laughs> I think it got. I think I'm big in Poland. Put it that way. <laughs> Well, I can't remember the name of the song. You're going to have to remind me. Um, uh, do I have to? Um, it's Ray Fox, Boom Boom. Yeah. Well, I can tell you for free. My <laughs> daughter knows the song. And she, when I told her, I said, I've seen Conrad Gamble. She didn't, she didn't know you, but she knew the song. <laughs> okay. And I played it and she was singing along to it. Okay. So. Well, it's quite, it is quite catchy. Annoyingly yeah. so, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> well, you can say you've been in a video that my daughter knows the song of. So <laughs> it's, um, that's good. I mean, how, I mean, how did that come about? Someone who lived in Ibiza knew that I'd be quite up for doing it. <laughs> so she very kindly got in touch. And um, yes, it was um, it was fun to do. It was fun to do, for sure. That's great. Well, it's all part of the uh, the learning experience. So what are you up to now then, Conrad? Um, so I am... So I do a number of things. I still do a tiny bit of the modelling, um, as and when but it's not my main focus is to create. So I've been working on a quite an ambitious film, which I've just got some funding for, which is called Thunder Before Lightning. And I won't tell you much more about it. It's got, it's got a particular USP. So um, that'll be shooting at the end of August. I'm going to be directing that. Um, so that's exciting. Very exciting. Where, where do you anticipate that's going to be released? Uh, we'll see. We'll okay. see. I mean, I'll obviously promote it myself as well. Sure. But we'll see. We'll see. But are you hoping to get that out to one of the sort of main sort of Netflix or Amazon or something? We'll more, see. I mean, it, it may, you know, we'll, we'll see which avenues it goes down. But, um, but yeah, my 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 focus is to create work hard and create um i more and more am aware that i just enjoy the process of creation and and um and that that's ther- very therapeutic for me um so so do you worry less about the outcome and more about concerning yourself with, i don't think with, i worry with... less about the outcome i just try and understand that it is in through it is through problem solving that we kind of enjoy you've got to enjoy the process because otherwise what's the point in doing it you know because you don't you're still as i said at the top there's you're still gonna feel pain and joy and all these things afterwards and that very very successful people can not be you know air quotes happy um you have to enjoy oh, what sure. you're doing yeah. day to day no, because you get, you get the book and you say oh right that's that's the book so you know there was great. a bit of that actually <laughs> <Yeah>. definitely <laughs> 
um i know someone who's done very very successful novel recently and and uh she she felt the same you know you, you there is a bit of a funny kind of anti-climax about doing a project and that's why that's why more and more now i'm sort of more um, I totally understand people who ever win awards and they stand up and go, great, thanks a lot, much more focused on the next. And, and you know, and I have the same, you know, I, I will always love London. I have a similar feeling about the book, not, not in any negative way, just about, I'm just more excited about what's to come, you know. That's perfect. There's, there's, a, there's a really good book, you, you may have read it, um, by an author called um, Stephen Pressfield, I think, called The War of Art. Yes, or, yes. The War of Art, or the, yeah, I think it's The War of Art. Yes, there's yeah. the, there's both The War of Art and The Art of War. Both, yes, I always bo- get very bo- confused. Both good yeah. books, both yeah. good books. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure to finally meet you. Yeah. And thank you for welcoming me into your home and being so hospitable. Lovely, pleasure. Lovely cup of English Yorkshire tea. Not made in Yorkshire. <laughs> Not made in, in Yorkshire. <laughs> so where can people find out if they want to sort of get in touch with you or find out about the, or purchase the book? So um, so the book's available. It was in Waterstones and it's in uh, Somerset House and it's at in Oliver Bonus it's also in on Amazon so you look, look up for the love of London it's Conrad Gamble yeah and in terms of being able to find out other things I do um, I've got a poetry website called conradgamble.com yeah and also if you could I have just started to, I'm not brilliant frankly at promoting myself but I've been told to do it a little bit more recently and so I've just got so there's a poetry facebook page called ear smoke and i'll be starting the instagram the next couple of weeks we've done about 20 or so um events around london um i've now got going to be doing a once a month at lalo in notting hill so by the trellick tower which is a wonderful venue um so if you look that up so all details for your future gigs will be posted on, uh, posted on, on facebook. gamble.com facebook which is ear smoke and and then instagram will be ear smoke so that's as well. the best way to get in touch with you personally indeed, as well indeed lovely all right, Conrad. Well, as I say, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. Not at all. Thank you for asking me. You've got a great project going, and uh, thanks a lot. I'm very grateful to you. Thank thanks you. Thanks a lot.